the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, followed very closely by the radio talk show host. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in Riverside and San Bernardino Counties. Uh, we're pleased to have with us a economist and former congressional candidate, Sean Flynn. Uh, but before we dive into economics, I do want to talk about the movie that's come out this week, 2,000 Mules. This is by Dinesh D'Souza. And it is based on the work by Catherine Engelbrecht and her chief researcher, Greg Phillips, with a group called True the Vote. And you, you, may, have, you may have seen it, you may have heard about it, although the media is basically adopted a blackout policy. Oh, politically incorrect. You're not supposed to use that word, black. But okay, that's, that's a traditional word of English language. That we're just not going to cover it. So instead of attacking it, as they have people who have pointed out the problems in the 2020 election, is by ignoring it, they hope as few people will see it. So if they launched into a big attack on it, it would promote the movie and more people would go, would go see it. If they don't mention it at all, they hope it will just come and go. And yes, people that already understand and believe that the 2020 election was stolen will see it and their beliefs will be confirmed and they should be by the very good and hard evidence that's presented in the movie. But other people who might just be questioning it or have believe, have bought into the media and Democrat Party and establishment Republican Party gaslighting that this was the most secure election in American history won't see it. And they won't see the evidence. So what they did was in the 2020 election, they... Because of, because of a deadly virus, COVID, that 99.98 or 99% of adults survive, unless you have a pre-existing health problem or, or problems, they put out these drop boxes funded by Zuckerberg of, um, from Facebook. And they were there 24-7, you could drop ballots in them. There were video on them, although some of the video has disappeared and some of the video cameras were turned off. But some of that, a lot of that video still exists. So what they what they did was they used a technique called geofencing, and you'll be amazed at and learn how much you are tracked everywhere you go when you're carrying your cell phone with you. Is they're able to track people who are going to these drop boxes, and they set a very high definition for what they call a a mule that instead of running drugs is running ballots. Is they had to go to 10 or more ballot drop boxes. And they had to go to at least five Democrat-aligned nonprofit groups to qualify within their very strict definition of who they were going to look at. They then followed these people around and got the, got the geo-tracking data, and these people went to on an average of 24 drop boxes each, some many, some many more. Oftentimes, it was in the middle of the night. And they'd be making multiple. One guy went to six or seven different drop boxes across six counties in one night. No conceivable legitimate explanation for that other than participation in an organized, concerted ballot harvesting and ballot dropping and uh, ballot harvesting and ballot running operation. Then they match it up with, okay, they see... The geotracking particular guy goes to the Dropbox, then they go get the video, and they can match that up, and they can see the guy stuffing ballots into the Dropbox at 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, we, we all vote at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. Everyone does that. So they, so they I mean, within, across the, in the Atlanta area, Philadelphia area, Detroit, Milwaukee, and Phoenix, 
and not even looking at all of the drop boxes in those cities, just some of them, they found what they call 2,000 mules, hence the name of the movie. Is that These are these people engaging in concerted, organized, and funded and paid for ballot harvesting. Then they, from there, they were able to, if you just estimated an average of five ballots per person, that even with that very narrow definition, that was enough to flip the states of Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania back into Donald Trump's column, and he would have won the election. Just that little bit, a small portion of their ballot harvesting, ballot running operation. It doesn't count the machine switching votes. It doesn't count bloated voter rolls. It doesn't count waiving the rules as they did in Wisconsin about sending in people to the to the nursing homes where under Wisconsin law they're supposed to have a representative of the Democrats and the Republicans present when that ha- when they go ask for ballots from the, the people who are living there to make sure no one's being susceptible to undue influence. Just the, so not looking at the whole range of their operation and what Biden called and inadvertently let slip the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. That was enough to change the outcome of the election. And if they lowered the definition of a mule to only five drop boxes, query, what legitimate explanation is there to go to five (laughs) different drop boxes to drop ballots? Even if you were taking in some family members' ballots, then the states of of Michigan and Wisconsin also go into uh, into Donald Trump's column. So I'd encourage everyone to see the movie. I saw it last past Monday night, and even and I was I was aware, and I believed that the twenty twenty election was stolen. But to see it being done, to see the level of the evidence, to see how blatant and widespread this organization is that operates with impunity, no one's investigated it. They have taken. The evidence, Catherine Engelbrecht and True the Vote, here's the evidence. They presented it to the FBI. They presented it to supposedly Republican Governor Kemp in Georgia. They presented it to supposedly Republican Secretary of State Raffensperger in Georgia. They presented it to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. And none of them did anything. They just sat on it and tried to cover it up. Even though there's an organization out there that could do something. They could go find the people who were running the ballots. Okay, that's illegal. Now, you can face prosecution or you can tell us who paid you to do that. And you can run up the line as they would take down a criminal organization. But of course, that's not being done. So, 2000mules.com. This is being played... uh, uh, 4 o'clock on Saturday and other times during the weekend. And there'll be an online nationwide premiere uh, this Saturday night, uh, May 7th at 5 p.m. our time. And you can still go register for that and and watch the movie. Or even after today, after Saturday, you can also go to 2000mules.com and you can buy a DVD. You can or get the movie online, streaming online. And if you... Understand and believe the election was stolen. This will give you hard evidence and confirm your beliefs are correct. If maybe you have some questions, then watch the movie. Even if you have totally bought the line from the mainstream media, the Democrats and establishment Republicans, that there was no vote fraud in the 2020 election. Everything was this was the most secure election ever. Well, If you think that fair and honest elections are important, watch the movie. If you don't believe it, you don't believe it. But maybe the evidence that they presented might change your mind. Because honest elections are essential if we're going to preserve the country and the republic. We have extreme differences, just illustrated by this past week when the draft opinion from the Supreme Court was leaked to overturning Roe v. Wade is that there are those of us who believe that abortion is killing a human being. It is wrong. It may be practical. You may want to do it, but it's wrong. And just as killing your child after you're born would be wrong. 
And on the other side, they regard it practically as a religious sacrament to be able to kill unborn children. And the only way such competing differences can possibly coexist in the same country is if we all believe there are honest elections. And maybe we'll lose this one, but we know two years hence and two years hence and two years hence and two years hence, there are going to be more honest elections and we can get a better candidate. We can change our strategy. We maybe change our positions. We can get a better ground game, what have you, and we'll have a chance to win in the future. Without that, the republic and the country are going to fall apart. Now, my guest has been sitting very quiet. Hopefully, he's still, he's still here and hasn't wandered off to have a, have a cup of coffee. Um, you ran for Congress in 2018. Yes, that's right. And uh, you, here, in, here in California, you live in Nevada now. And uh, I remember that a week before the, the election, you would run your own poll and show that you were up by 5%, but yet you lost by 20% or more. Now, either you, right. either you found the worst polling company in the entire world, or there, maybe there was some funny business going on in your race. But um, I see we're getting past. Before I bring you back in and let you answer that question and tell us you were related before the show, uh, just another example of the Democrats' uh, most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization. Let's take a from our sponsor, Ed Hoffman of Planet Home Lending, the place to go for your real estate lending needs back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending LLC and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. I'm sure by now you've heard interest rates have jumped up over the last few months, but so have home values. So what does that mean to you? If you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt or you don't have money to pay your tax bill or just need extra money to fill up your gas tank, now may be the perfect time to do a cash out refinance to consolidate those bills or get some extra funds in your bank account while your equity is so high before rates get any worse. If you or your spouse are 62 years or older, higher values make reverse mortgages that didn't work before work now. To see how we can make the numbers work for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. Ed Hoffman, Retail Branch Manager, NMLS ID 9921, Branch NMLS ID 2275209. Planet Home Lending, LLC, NMLS ID 17022. Planet Home Lending, LLC, is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. After my long monologue in the first segment, we are now ready to get to our guest, Sean Flynn, who is an economist. He's a professor of economics at uh, the, uh, the Pomona Colleges or the Scripps Colleges in Claremont, Upland area. He is the author of Economics for Dummies. Probably distribute that to every member of Congress and every member of the O'Brandon administration. He is also the author, of, co-author of the uh, leading economic textbook used in America, and he's also a specialist in healthcare economics. He has a book on that called "The Cure That Works." But before we dive into economics, uh, we were to mention that you were a candidate for Congress here in uh, San Bernardino County in 2018, and that you had had your, uh, a week before the election, you would run a poll, a private poll that showed you're up by 5% and you end up losing by 20% or more. And there was either the worst poll ever done, or there was funny business going on. What do you think? Well, um, you know, one of the tough things about any voter fraud situation is, first of all, the people who are doing it, um, obviously, they don't want to get caught. Um, Voter fraud only works if you don't get caught. And um, it was also a year when turnout was remarkably high. Um, The the Democrats had uh, ginned up their base and were very mad at Donald Trump. Uh, They'd impeached him once already, if I'm remembering the timeline correctly, right before that election and well, me, uh, you know they, they oh yeah go ahead yeah and and just so so yes yeah, so turnout was spectacularly high especially on the democrat side so um while i have great sympathy for what you just said um i could easily see someone else saying no 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 you just were a good candidate uh running for the wrong party in the wrong year 
And uh, and that's a real problem, right? Because people will look back at uh, the last presidential election and say the same thing. They'll they'll make excuses like, "Oh, Trump would have won if it weren't for COVID. It wasn't the voter fraud, things like that, right?" And um, so it's good that we've actually got activists out there. And this this is an amazing thing of technology you just described, right? Using the geo tracking and combining it with the video data, and then just asking a simple question like, "What the heck is someone doing putting ballots into five different ballot boxes at two in the morning?" Like, I could see a legitimate person, maybe you know, they've legitimately gathered some ballots. And then what would a lazy person do? You'd put them all in one ballot box at two in the morning, right? But to drive from one to another to another. Um, yeah, there's something wrong there. And uh, and then, you know, but for people on the other side who, for whatever reason, either don't want to believe that could happen in this country or are so happy that Trump lost, um, they even ignore stuff like, you know, this just blatantly obvious and unconstitutional, like the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, three, four months before the election, changing voting procedures, right? Um, that's illegal. The Constitution says only the state legislature can do that. And yet the courts there in Pennsylvania ordered a bunch of changes without the legislature's consent. And everyone looked the other way. No media reporters whatsoever. And that's 100 percent. You know, there's no, nothing there to actually dispute. And yet there are people in this country willing to ignore that because they were happy that tilted things in favor of one candidate rather than the other. And I think that's a real threat to the republic right now, Greg, because I agree that, you know, these things are not getting the media coverage they deserve. But even if they did, I think there'd be a lot of people, they'd be presented with the evidence and they just think, oh, well, the cheating went our way. No big deal. And I think that's awful. Oh, it is. And uh, even in your race, the part of the problem is that there are not procedures in, in place and laws in place that both assure and ensure honest elections. So if you could, so you can't be confident that it was an honest election. Your supporters can't be confident it's an honest election, and that's a real problem. Even if, as you suggested, maybe they just got a higher turnout because their people were so uh, motivated by their dislike or hatred of Donald Trump that they turned out in mass. Um, maybe that's is that conceivable? But we don't know. And we need we need those type of procedures. Like in France, they just had a presidential election. They do who can get a mail ballot is very restricted. You really need a good reason to do that. Otherwise, you show up on election day, vote on a paper ballot, have to show voter ID, and notwithstanding the fact they're all paper ballots, they're they're all counted, and the result is known by the end of the day. And we could do that here. But, of course, we don't because the loosey-goosey system leaves ample room for, for vote fraud. Before we leave the issue, just and we could spend this show and multiple shows just going over example after example of the evidence for the 2020 election steal. But you, and this it comes down to a very small level, but it illustrates the uh, extent of the Democrats, and in Biden's words again, most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Tell us about the the the, uh, the ballot scales in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Um, I read this maybe last week, and I, I don't have the citation here, um, but I tend to only read legitimate news sources. Um, so. Apparently, and I believe it was Pennsylvania, um, some of the local uh, county, uh, you know, voter registration, you know, the official, you know, ballot counters, secretary of states and all that stuff were given um, scales to weigh ballots. So the ballots are coming in and um, what they were looking for with these scales was how heavy they were, because if you had included a change of address form, um, that would be an extra sheet of paper, which would make it heavier. And so they were looking for the ones that didn't have that. And then um, apparently, from what I read, uh, that information about, you know, uh, you know, John Smith did not include this extra piece of paper, which means that once we open this ballot, it's going to be invalid. Well, that information about which voters had failed to include that piece of paper was only then given to um, Democratic get out the vote groups. 
which meant that they had the choice. And, you know, I, I can see where they might have been biased here. Maybe you could agree with me mm-hmm. that they could have knowing all the voters, including Republicans and independents, they could have contacted all the people and told them, hey, you need to resubmit your ballot before Election Day. These mail ballots, you're missing a piece of paper. But of course, probably what happened was they only did that for Democratic voters under the assumption that all those Democratic voters were voting the way they wanted to, um, wanted, wanted them to. And so, uh, yeah, that that's really not correct. And it, it, it's also completely illegal under Pennsylvania law because all voters need to be treated equally, um, which means if I'm a Republican and my ballot is not filled out correctly and they know it because of weighing it, I should be just as likely to be informed as a Democrat or an independent. And so... You know, these 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 shenanigans are just, you know, that for, for someone to go to the trouble to order special scales and then organize this whole thing really tells me that there were great efforts being made by at least some people to tilt things. And um, that's really disturbing. And now that we know that Zuckerberg and I think maybe his wife as well threw a lot of money at these sort of um, efforts, which allegedly, you know, Zuckerberg claims they were bipartisan and helped get out the vote for everyone. It sure doesn't look like that. Um, And we know that Zuckerberg publicly was very anti-Trump and presumably had uh, a certain direction he wanted that election to go. Well, that's also disturbing. And that's just one again, one little teeny example, but it shows the, the extent of which of their voter fraud organization. They could get to that level is we're going to get scales and then we're going to give the information to our operatives to let them to help them go out and cure mistaken Democrat ballots. Uh, we got about three minutes left in in this segment before our ne- before our next break. So let's turn our attention to the main reason I'd asked you on the show is economics is we had a uh, negative growth in the first quarter. Inflation is, if not double digit, it's running there, and uh, a lot of the a lot of basic uh, food sub staples are in double digit range. Of course, we all see what's happening with gas prices, and in California, it's basically a dollar or more a gallon more here because of policies and democratic policies here in California than it is if you just cross the border into Nevada or Arizona. How would you assess the uh, the current state of the economy? Are we hitting into a recession? Uh, the Fed just raised the interest rate by a half a percent. Is that going to cool inflation? So you got like two minutes and twenty four seconds before the break, and then we'll continue our discussion. Okay, so first, I think you're going to see um, high inflation. You know, north of five, six, seven percent for at least a year, maybe two years. Um, do I think a hyperinflation is going to break out? Absolutely not. And, you know, we can get into that later. But, you know, we just found out over the last year, real wages for normal people just fell 5%. That is, you know, you might have gotten a 2% wage increase nominally, but your cost of living just went up seven and you lost all the wage gains that were produced in the last couple of years of the Trump administration, where for the first time, the income distribution was shrinking because poor people were having bigger gains than richer people, right? That had to happen in 30, 40, 50 years, right? So that's all been erased by this inflation and people are really hurting. And um, yeah, do I think it's going to continue a while? Yes. But do I think the Fed, is the Fed in a position to get it all back and the genie in the bottle? I would say yes. But obviously the genie's out of the bottle right now and people are blindsided and it's hurting the people who can least afford it the most, right? It's, 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 well, you know, it's not just a tax. You know, we speak of the inflation tax in economics. Um, it's an unfair tax. It's a regressive tax. It hurts the the most vulnerable the most. While right now, does anyone who's making a lot of money really care? No, their real estate values have gone up forty percent in the last two years. Right? You know, these these if you if you've got assets and wealth right now, you're not going to notice this very much. So it's really really unfair. And so yeah, I hope we get to talk about it a little bit more, Greg. But um, I, I'll just say we are not going to get a hyperinflation. I'll at least go out on that. Um, but in the meantime, you don't need a hyperinflation to really hurt people badly. Even 5% a year, and we're past 7 now, right? Um, heading towards 8, 9, 10, it looks like, can really, really hurt people. Yeah, the producer prices were up 11, like a month or so ago, were up uh, 11%. From yep. the from the, from the year previously, and all these energy, the, the, and then you're going to add on to just normally inflation is a monetary function, but now you add on to uh, the the war in Russia and Ukraine, which is limiting food supplies and fertilizer and other factors which are going to drive up prices as well. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion with Sean Flynn and economics after this. 
Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending LLC and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. I'm sure by now you've heard interest rates have jumped up over the last few months, but so have home values. So what does that mean to you? If you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt, or you don't have money to pay your tax bill, or just need extra money to fill up your gas tank, now may be the perfect time to do a cash-out refinance to consolidate those bills or get some extra funds in your bank account while your equity is so high before rates get any worse. If you or your spouse are 62 years or older, higher values make reverse mortgages that didn't work before work now. To see how we can make the numbers work for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. Ed Hoffman, Retail Branch Manager, NMLS ID 9921, Branch NMLS ID 2275209. Planet Home Lending, LLC, NMLS ID 17022. Planet Home Lending, LLC is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Hi, I'm Ron Osk with Elder Law Center. Are you concerned with an aging family member whose declining health makes them unable to manage their own affairs? Before long, you may be dealing with mental, physical, emotional, health care, and financial challenges, often more than you could have anticipated. For over 25 years, we have been helping people like you, struggling to look after mom and dad. Contact me at elderlawcenter.net or call me at 951-684-5608. That's 951-684-5608. Let me help you help your family. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, my name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and the Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in Riverside and San Bernardino Counties. We're pleased to have on the show this week Sean Flynn, who uh, was a uh, congressional candidate here in 2018, and he's also a professor of economics. He is the uh, co-author of the leading economics textbook used in uh, colleges across the country, and he's also the author of Economics for Dummies, certainly. Um, that book uh, which was more widely read among government officials, and then as well as uh, The Cure That Works about healthcare economics. We've been talking about inflation, and the O'Brandon administration, his responses has been, it's just transitory. It's really a good thing. Now, it's Putin's fault. Um, Who knows what the next explanation is going to be, but it's interesting how the O'Brien administration is now imitating Saturday Night Live. Here is Dan Aykroyd portraying Jimmy Carter from 1978. Inflation is our friend. For example, consider this. In the year 2000, if current trends continue... The average blue-collar annual wage in this country will be $568,000. Think what this inflated world of the future will mean. Most Americans will be millionaires. Everyone will feel like a big shot. Wouldn't you like to own a $4,000 suit and smoke a $75 cigar, drive a $600,000 car? I know I would. But what about people on fixed incomes? They have always been the true victims of inflation. That's why I will present to Congress the Inflation Maintenance Program, whereby the U.S. Treasury will make up any inflation-caused losses through direct tax rebates to the public in cash. Now, you may say, won't that cost a lot of money? Won't that increase the deficit? Sure it will. But so what? We'll just print more money. We have the papers, we have the mints. I can just call up the Bureau of Engraving and say... Hi, this is Jimma. Roll off some of them 20s. Print up a couple of thousand sheets of those century notes. Sure, the glut of dollars will cause even more inflation, but who cares? Everybody will be a millionaire. Funny how life can imitate uh, comedy and art. Yes, absolutely. Let me just say that... um, uh, when I was in grad school, uh, longer ago than I like to admit, the uh, Turkish grad students, we had quite a few, were all jokingly very happy because Turkey was experiencing a hyperinflation and they were all suddenly millionaires, every last one of these poor starving grad students. And uh, and then that, you know, the, what, there's a lot, actually a lot of real economics um, in a very deep historical way in that skit that you just played back, which, by the way, I love 
The uh, German finance minister in the early 1920s during the famous Weimar hyperinflation that so destabilized Germany, right, that later the Nazis, uh, you know, took power about 10 years later. Um, he was actually writing memos to his boss, right, the prime minister saying, my goodness, we're struggling so hard here, but you should pat us on the back because this inflation is going, you know, 200% per day. Do you know how hard it is to print billion Deutschmark notes fast enough to keep up with this inflation? And he was demanding to be patted on the back for managing to print the bigger banknotes fast enough, you know, to keep up with the inflation, you know, getting the cause and effect completely backwards, right? Which is just like what Newsom just proposed, you know, gasoline is getting expensive. So let's just mail people money to buy more gasoline, which of course will drive up the price even more. And so these mistakes get made over and over. And it's good that, you know, Saturday Night Live was mocking them decades ago, but unfortunately the lessons, um, get forgotten over and over. And I'm afraid right now, a lot of people at the policy level are a little bit baffled, um, especially after, you know, 10 years of, you might've heard of this modern monetary theory stuff that's mm -hmm. been going around in certain circles where they, they'd been claiming the government could just print and spend as much money as it wanted without causing an inflation. And, you know, that was getting traction with the likes of the New York Times and the New Yorker and the Atlantic, um, sort of, you know, if, if we want to call it the mainstream of the left opinion, yeah, they were starting to think, oh, it could all work out fine. We'll just print more money and spread it around. I think it was Ben Stein who said, if something cannot go on forever, it will stop. So the idea that you can just continue to spend, print trillions of dollars, and this was when on overdrive into warp speed uh, during the COVID time when we shut down the economy, but to keep everyone going and everyone, um, they print about $4 trillion worth of extra spending and, and money into the economy. And that kind of ruined that, uh, that, that game. You can't just keep printing money. And I think anyone outside of, outside of Washington, outside of academia, it would, yes, no, you can't just keep printing more money. That's going to catch up with you. And eventually it's going to stop. And we've, kind of reached that point and and uh, it, it may get worse now if we go into the inflation in the 1970s under jimmy carter that was only ended by a very deep recession when the federal reserve hit the brakes on or slammed on the brakes on the money supply after ronald reagan was elected and it took a couple of year long recession i think the unemployment rate got up to 12 13 percent during that during that time um, is that what? And that may, you're gonna you're gonna need that. But now, where we now have debt in excess of a hundred percent of GDP, and people are kind of on to the to this kind of Ponzi game of the American government just going to keep printing money to cover its expenses. We may not be able. We, we, you know, there may be a there may be a situation where um, you've seen the you know, the old cartoons where the character runs off the cliff. And he keeps running until he looks down and realizes he's in the air and falls and splat. And um, I think I, at some point, I think that may very well happen. What do you think? Well, so historically, a lot of empires go under. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one who thinks of America as an empire. We don't have a dictatorship. But, you know, we are, we're, we're the top country right now. We've been top country for a while. So... Top countries, empires tend to go under um, not because, you know, the Mongols invaded or, you know, some, you know, barbarian tribe came through. They tend to go under in um, a massive pile of debt and a lot of stupid, small, optional foreign wars that they didn't have to get into. And we've been doing both of those things in droves for the last 30 years. Um, and uh, yeah, so it bothers me. We're following this sort of historical pattern. And um, let me just add to the, uh, the thing about printing a lot of money. Um, it's little known, but the Fed for the last 10, 12 years is being paying banks interest on any money they don't lend out. And so that has been what was keeping inflation under control for a long time. We printed a lot of money. Most of it ended up in the banking system. And then because the Fed was paying interest on reserves, um, the banks weren't lending it out because the banks were like, well, if we could get 2% from the Fed guaranteed, why lend it out on a home mortgage that might not get repaid? But then um, when COVID came, 
Uh, we printed a lot of money and it was handed directly to businesses and to individual people. And they were told to go spend it. And they did. And so that printed money wasn't held by the banking system as reserves, unlend. It was actually spent and you got what you would expect, which is, uh, you know, big inflationary pressures. Then at the same time, as you mentioned, Greg, the supply chain stuff happened. Um, it's still happening. So, you know, you've got more money chasing fewer goods. And anytime you got more money chasing fewer goods, prices go up. And, uh, and now we have sort of longer run problems um, during, you know, the pandemic probably about 2 million people retired earlier than they would have otherwise. That is, if the pandemic hadn't happened, our labor supply would be about 2 million people bigger, right? Mostly towards, you know, late 50s, early 60s. But we lost 2 million people permanently because they're just like, we're checking out uh, our 401ks. We're looking pretty good a couple of years ago. You know, stock market was still going up even in the early pandemic. And um, that means now there's like permanent labor shortages all over the place. We also, for a while, successfully had the border shut down, which limited immigration substantially, which also meant the labor supply was not increasing so fast. So now we've got supply chain problems. Um, we've got a smaller labor supply. These are all things that are going to keep upward pressure on prices for quite a while. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, I don't think we're quite Wiley E. Coyote having run off the cliff, but we're at a stage now where um, if we got our act together, and I mean the whole country, the deficit, what the Federal Reserve is doing, we'd be okay in 10, 20, 30 years. We could start paying down the debt. You know, Alexander Hamilton did this after the Revolutionary War, right? He convinced all the other founding fathers, we're not, you know, defaulting on the debt. We're going to pay this down. We're going to be a credible government. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, it took till the 1830s to do that, right? It is like a 40-year process, right? But we came out of it looking credible and strong and the full faith and credit of the United States meant something. Um, and we could do that again if we got the political will. But so far, I haven't seen anyone from either major party actually seeming to take it seriously. And what I'm hoping, Greg, is we'll get a good scare here, um, the political class, you know, with this inflation, because a lot of people are going to lose their congressional seats and their house seats and the governor's seats. And the number one, you know, thing is going to be inflation going to November is my guess. And hopefully that will awaken an entire generation of politicians to the fact that the American people want the country to be run on a fiscally sound basis. Um, because among other things, we're hoping that, you know, we actually get paid our social security when we retire. And right now that's not looking likely. No. And that's, and that's a, and that's a, um, never mind that the debt's already, over 100% of GDP is that the Medicare and Social Security have about $100 trillion worth of unfunded liabilities. And if present trends continue, uh, by 2050 or before, the entire federal budget will be Medicare, Social Security, and paying the debt, paying interest on the debt. And again, that's an example of if something cannot continue forever, it will stop. So that's we're we're not going to get to that point. We can't get to that point. And when exactly how the uh, uh, metaphorically the wily e. coyote realizes he's running in the air and falls and goes splat. But as that's I think that unless there are changes made, that are, that is going to happen. And there was a um, professor, uh, Michael Brenner. He's not well known. He's especially his international relations and foreign policy. He's done all, and he's been in government and and various organizations. And he had written on the Iran, not the Iran, the Ukraine-Russia war, and dissented for at least in part from the regime narrative. And he was subject to bitter, vitriolic, personal attacks. And he decided to pull back. Okay, I'm 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 just not going to talk about it anymore. And he said that. It is manifestly obvious that our society is not capable of conducting an honest, logical, reasonably informed discourse on matters of consequence. Instead, we experience fantasy, fabrication, fatuitousness, and fulmination. And well, um, and I, I think, I think know, it applies to it applies to everything, not just uh, not just uh, not just the Ukraine Russia war. Well, yes. Um, one thing I would say. Um, in our favor, 
Um, not that we're more or less blessed than previous generations, but there have been many times in American history where if you go back and you actually read, you know, newspaper op-eds and you look at people's personal correspondence, um, yeah, Americans are a hot-headed people who uh, can be a little self-righteous both with ourselves and others. And um, democracies are rough and tumble. And uh, I think we can work this out. Um, I think it's going to take a lot of work and some goodwill on everyone's part, but I don't think we're doomed. Um, and uh, I don't think uh, the, the gentleman you just quoted would would feel that way on a good morning either after he got a good night's rest. I think at some point he'll rejoin the public circle. And Greg, you know, congratulations to you for doing this show and doing it for so many years. And actually, you know, because you you still have faith that ideas matter and people can be persuaded and you know, some people can, you know, think the other way if they're given a chance. And so I think we're going to be OK. But, um, yeah, things are getting really bumpy now. And China wants to be top country and, you know, colonize space. And, um, yeah, we're going to have to get our get our act in order here as a country or um, not only won't we be top country, um, we might be some sort of information slaves, you know, with some version of the Chinese social credit score being imposed upon us from the outside and or the our, inside. Yeah. Or the inside is cooperating with the outside. Right. Um, China has subverted a lot of small governments already. Right. Um, you know, even Australia a few years ago, believe it or not, it was legal for foreigners to make campaign contributions. And the Chinese just dumped tons of money into elections there until finally that was banned. Um, and they got a lot of leeway. And now we're finding out retroactively why was so much green legislation passed in the United States and in England? Because the Russians were hiring lobbying companies um, to argue, you know, to to uh, basically rig things so that at some point people would need to buy Russian coal and natural gas. Right. I mean, this is this is baffling that this could happen, but it's already happened and we need to be careful about it. Let's take a pause here and hear from uh, one of our sponsors for this half of Unite, i.e. Radio, Ron Osk and the Elder Law Center. We also very much appreciate the Beaumont Banning Cherry Valley Tea Party for their support. Back after this. Hi, I'm Ron Osk with Elder Law Center. Are you concerned with an aging family member whose declining health makes them unable to manage their own affairs? Before long, you may be dealing with mental, physical, emotional, health care, and financial challenges, often more than you could have anticipated. For over 25 years, we have been helping people like you, struggling to look after mom and dad. Contact me at elderlawcenter.net or call me at 951-684-5608. That's 951-684-5608. Let me help you help your family. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, and we're pleased to have with us Professor of Economics Sean Flynn, author of Economics for Dummies. We certainly need to get that book more widely distributed in our government, and probably, more, probably a good number of our citizens uh, as well. We were talking about the current state of the economy and how much it's sustainable. Uh, do you think we are heading into recession, and if so, how bad is it going to be? Um, I do think we're going to get a recession. Um, I don't think it's going to be that bad, but you know, um, economists are notoriously bad about making accurate predictions. But uh, as you saw, the uh, GDP for the last quarter, the data came out uh, last week or a few days ago, and uh, um, it was negative. Um, and traditionally, um, the unofficial uh, definition of recession is if we have two quarters of negative growth, that is the economy's receding, going backward two quarters. So we just hit one quarter. So if this current quarter ends up negative as well, we'll be in recession territory already um, without anything much worse happening so far. But, um, yeah, I think I think we're going to get a recession if for no other reason than the supply chain problems, especially through agriculture, are just going to get worse over the next year or so. And on the subject of food shortages, uh, we have the uh, Russia-Ukraine war, and they are to get, Russia and Ukraine are together make up 20% of uh, world corn sales and more than 25% of the uh, global wheat trade. Also, Russia is a huge, probably the, large, sing, is the single largest supplier of fertilizer. Then you see things, I read that there was a story a couple of weeks ago that the Union Pacific Railroad is limiting shipments of fertilizer in the Midwest during spring planting season. I go, hmm, why would that be? Then you see things like Bill Gates and others are buying up 
farmland. And then you see things like uh, there are these. There's been a spate of accidents and fires at food processing plants around the country, and you start. You almost have to wonder. I mean, is all this just a coincidence, or is there a real effort to create a food shortage? Um, which seems bizarre. Why would the government want to create a food shortage and even further rile up the people? And even if it's not intentional. It may have that effect. And as Tucker Carlson pointed out, that more governments have fallen from food shortages than any other cause. So are we going to have a food shortage? And uh, what's going on with that? Um, so I think worldwide there will be food shortage problems. But um, because we're such a rich country, um, you know, I wouldn't expect, um, you know, anyone here. Basically, there's, if there's a limited amount of supply of food in the world in any year, we're we're among the richest. We will get our share. We will eat okay. Um, I'm not saying there's not going to be people who individually can't afford food, but that's true in even a good year, right? There are people going to soup kitchens. There are people going to uh, free food pantries and stuff. So um, will individual Americans be hurting? Absolutely. Um, if you're on the lower end of the income distribution, but will we literally not have anything to eat in America? That's not going to be a problem, I don't think. However, if you are in Mozambique, if you are in a poor part of Honduras or Guatemala, if you are in Egypt, um, yeah, are there going to have food shortages there and people maybe going literally not having enough calories, some of them? Yes, that would seem likely if the world food supplies affected even, say, 5 10%. Well, that, could be, that could be extreme chaos as when people are hungry and they're starving to death, they don't have a lot to lose. And whether that's overthrowing the governments, whether that is mass migration to uh, um, go to places where they think there is food. And, of course, that our, our southern border is open and they intend to make it fully open and keep it open that everyone who crosses gets, in, gets into the country. Uh, this could be yet another crisis, and they love to govern uh, by crisis. In our remaining time, you're a professor of economics. You get to see the, uh, the products of the government-run school system uh, come into your classrooms. And you may have a little bit more of a, of a uh, um, see maybe see more towards the best of the best as you, as you teach at a, at a, at a high-level college that's very expensive to, to go to. So maybe, you, maybe you're getting even the, the cream of the crop, but I think you've said previously is that over your career, you've seen the quality and the level of education of the students that you're receiving in your, even in your elite college has been dropping. What are you seeing in your students? Um, well, they're still eager to learn. They're still intrinsically smart. Um, in certain ways, they've been worse prepared than previous generations. The math skills have slipped. Um, a lot of them are not being made to read like entire books in high school. They're just given these like little readers with a few paragraphs from this author and a few paragraphs from that. So they never get really deep into a text. Um, but I think bigger problems are that they grew up with um, cell phones and smartphones and devices. Um, they also grew up helicopter parented. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, families that can afford it now have, uh, you know, they, they parents are just kind of expected not to let the kids, you know, I was a free roam child, right? I was given a bicycle when I was like six and, you know, you're just kicked out of the house, told to come back for dinner try not to burn anyone else's house down and go have some fun. Whereas today, parents are like driving their kids from this lesson to that lesson. Um, the kids are not given a lot of autonomy. And so what I'm seeing and, you know, I'm not a mental health professional, but I've got a lot of kids who are now emotionally fragile. Um, and this runs across all political streams and ideological stuff. Um, they just have anxiety disorders. They've got mood disorders. They've got sleep disorders. They've got personality disorders. And um, yeah, they are fragile. And you know, I don't want to say this is the majority or anything, but we didn't really see these problems 25, 30 years ago when I was a grad student and then a young professor. And so um, it's difficult um, because if someone is not doing well emotionally, they really can't study that well. Um, and of course, just intrinsically, they're unhappy and miserable is what also tends to be the case. And so the schools at my level were kind of baffled. But this is what we're getting now is a lot of kids who are emotionally fragile in one way or another. And um, yeah, uh, on the other hand, though, when I talk to my friends who teach at community colleges and kids who grew up a little rougher, 
um, they seem to be pretty robust and fine. So there might be something about um, how cosseted you are and cloistered as a kid growing up that kind of makes you um, too delicate to deal with modern living. Um, so the future may lie in, you know, um, people who have not had it so well and are rough and tough and still have a lot of the American spirit and, you know, want to come up and succeed rather than people who are grew up too easy and are just kind of feeling broken, even when they're 18 and in the prime of life. How indoctrinated by the left have they gotten to by the time that you get them and by the time they leave your college and you got 20 seconds? Okay, on certain issues, overwhelmingly, right? There are kids now who don't want to have children and think the world is going to end of global warming, right? They have not heard any, um, even of the moderate views like Bjorn Lomborg, who says it's a problem, but it's not even in our top 30 problems, right? The kids have not even heard that argument. And so, yeah, so they're kids who really think the world's going to end and they have no reason for living. It's really sad. All right, we are out of time. I want to thank you for being on the show, and we will definitely uh, have you back and uh, tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite IE Radio. Hi, I'm Ron Osk with Elder Law Center. Are you concerned with an aging family member whose declining health makes them unable to manage their own affairs? Before long, you may be dealing with mental, physical, emotional, health care, and financial challenges, often more than you could have anticipated. For over 25 years, we have been helping people like you, struggling to look after mom and dad. Contact me at elderlawcenter.net or call me at 951-684-5608. That's 951-684-5608. Let me help you help your family. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Plant Home Lending LLC and host of the main event. Heard weekends right here on AM590 The Answer. I'm sure by now you've heard interest rates have jumped up over the last few months, but so have home values. So what does that mean to you? If you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt, or you don't have money to pay your tax bill, or just needed extra money to fill up your gas tank, now may be the perfect time to do a cash-out refinance to consolidate those bills or get some extra funds in your bank account while your equity is so high before rates get any worse. If you or your spouse are 62 years or older, higher values make reverse mortgages that didn't work before work now. To see how we can make the numbers work for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. Ed Hoffman, Retail Branch Manager, NMLS ID 9921, Branch NMLS ID 2275209. Planet Home Lending, LLC, NMLS ID 17022. Planet Home Lending, LLC is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.